0: Hey, hey, y'all. If you want to head to our website to check out all the different things Pizzazz offers, then just head to pizzazzart.com. That's P-Z-A-Z-Z-A-R-T.com. You will see our online memberships. We've got kids club memberships, our lettering club membership, our one project a month membership. We call that paint and praise. You will see some freebies that we've got there for you. And you'll see our local classes if you're local. So Head to the website, check it out, pizzazzart.com, P-Z-A-Z-Z-A-R-T.com. Hey, hey y'all, this is Casey Hope from the Here's Hope podcast. And today I have a super special guest. It's Zach Woodfin. So Zach, I'll give you a little introduction. He played his college football at UAB, where he set all kind of records there. He went on to play in the NFL and NFL Europe. Then he moved into his coaching career. He coached top athletes at athlete performance. He has had coaching jobs with the Green Bay Packers, UAB Blazers, Southern Miss, Kansas, Mazzuc. While he was at Southern Miss, he was even the interim athletic director. And then today, what he is doing now is he is the director of player performance for the USFL. So that is a super impressive little wrap there. But most importantly, he is my little brother and I am excited to have him. So welcome, Z. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and I'm really just proud of you for doing this. I've listened to most all of them and you're impacting a lot of people. So I'm excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited that you're here too, because I've got to watch Zach's story firsthand. And he's had a lot of ups, a lot of ups. and He's had a lot of downs. And I feel like Throughout his life, you just see this thread of the up and down, up and down, but always that God had him, that God had his back and had his best in mind. And I think sometimes we're in those downs. We feel like, oh, my gosh, like, God, how could this be happening? And I think that I'm going to have Zach share some of his story and some of his ups and downs. And I hope that through him sharing that it starts to change your perspective a little bit on, you know, not every setback is a setback. Very often setbacks are set ups, upsets are setups set up for what God has for you next. And so here we go. I'm going to kind of go all the way back to high school days because the theme in Zach's life starts then to where there are these upsets and then there's these setups. So in high school, share a little bit. You know, I remember you, you know, being all setting all kinds of records and everything in high school. And we really thought that you were going to go to a big school and tell a little bit just about high school how what that looked like and what there was a little bit of an upset there
1: yeah for sure you know gr- growing up in Preval high school was a, a big football program especially when coach clark got there and it, it started to become a powerhouse uh, i love football i loved a lot of sports but football was my favorite and uh, my dream for most of my childhood was to to play major college football and major college football in alabama is the sec and I kind of had my my mind set on either going to Alabama or Auburn. You know, we grew up, I guess we, we grew up Alabama fans because that's what dad was. Yeah. But, you know, when I got into to high school, I really I liked either one of them. I went to camps at both of those places. And I can still remember vividly, you know, one one of the biggest upsets during that time was uh a lot of my friends getting opportunities, you know, scholarship offers at these programs like Alabama and Auburn and then me not and ultimately it came down to I never did get the offer to Alabama or to Auburn but I did get an offer to UAB and UAB was my only scholarship offer and that's the one that I took and so while I was upset that I didn't get you know what what initially I really really wanted the setup was that I got to I got to go to UAB and, and really play early. Uh, I started as a sophomore, a junior, and a senior, and uh, I got to got to get on the field. Maybe you know if I would have went to Alabama or Auburn, I wouldn't have played as much, and I definitely you know uh, wouldn't have been able to do all the things that I ended up doing after UAB because of. All the opportunity I got to play. So, right. Yeah. Now, that story.
0: I, yeah. I remember at UAB, you setting like school records, you know, not just season records, but school records at UAB. And a lot of that, you know, like that type of stuff might not have happened at a bigger college, like you're saying. And so setting these school records and being a powerhouse there, even though it was a smaller school, did set you up for what was your dream since you were a little boy, which was that next step of the NFL. I remember at your high school graduation party, mom had found this little piece of paper that a teacher had made you do when you were young. And it was the kind where like at the top of the paper, you drew something. And at the bottom of the paper, you wrote something, I think, if I'm remembering right. And you had drawn this little football player, little thing, like you were six or seven years old. And then you wrote, I want to make good grades so I can get a scholarship to a school and play football and then play in the NFL. And and it was just such a like oh my gosh, how does a kid have this kind of a dream and a plan? But that was your dream at a young age. And so being at UAB did help you start to make your way to the NFL. And so you're at UAB and it came time for the uh, the college draft, the NFL draft. Sorry, I'm getting my words confused. Came time for the NFL draft. And so we felt like you were for sure going to go because you had won all these awards, set school records, just you were really good at what you did. And so talk to us a little bit about the um, about the draft and how that experience. Um, and again, that upset.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'd really poured my, my heart and soul into achieving that dream. And I had a lot of self-belief that I could do that. Part of that self-belief was overcoming so much to that point of, you know, barriers to belief. You know, I think a big people having belief in themselves is the ability to overcome barriers. Uh, There's a lot of people that told me that I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And I learned how to overcome those barriers to belief. So I had a lot of self-belief and I I had a lot of uh, work invested um, into me becoming the best athlete that I could be, you know, how I um, ate and how I rested and how I trained and how I thought all the things. It, there's so much time invested in a lot of people thought and told me like agents, people that, you know, predicted the draft. A, a lot of people thought that I would be drafted. I went to California to train for you know the NFL draft i guess you would say and i uh, had a pretty good pro day i remember my times were pretty good my strength numbers were, were were good my power numbers were good but when it came time as you probably remember we're all sitting on the couch for what seemed like eternity hours, uh, hours. <laughs> waiting for my name to be called and it was never called and so it was a setback but you know a little silver lining was shortly after the draft the Green Bay Packers did call and they wanted me to come there as an undrafted free agent and for the listeners that don't really understand what that is is it's it's almost similar to a walk-on in college they invite you up they do not give you nearly as much money as the draft picks um, but they do invite you up for an opportunity to showcase your talent during training camp and you get an opportunity to try to make the team.
0: Yeah. So, I remember when they yeah. got when you got that call, we were so excited. We're like, okay, you know, like we were we were disappointed. You know, we would sat there and we'd seen your emotions go up and down. We had seen you go in your room and close the door. And we're like, oh, don't talk to them. And then you started getting those calls. And when you got the call from Green Bay, we were so excited. I remember going to the Prattville Walmart, trying to find something Green Bay, and there was nothing. And I was like, what? I thought these things were everywhere, (laughs) but there was nothing. But keep going, keep going.
1: Right. So Green Bay called me. They wanted me to come up to training camp as an undrafted free agent, which I was excited about. You know, I just wanted an opportunity and I got that opportunity. So I went to went to training camp with the Green Bay Packers and and again, gave it my all, really put my best foot forward and and made it all the way to the last preseason game. I was cut right before we played the Tennessee Titans and I was actually cut uh, in the hotel room. I had made it to Nashville with the team. Uh, I came in on a private charter with the team to Nashville. I was in my hotel room the night before the last preseason game. And I got a call from the general manager to come up to his room in the hotel, which I thought was a little bit strange. And sure enough, it, it turned out to be strange. Uh, I got let go and I got sent back to Green Bay on a Southwest flight mm. that night. And proceeded to wake up the next morning in Green Bay, pack everything that I had, and and hit the road back down to Prattville. And it was that drive that Gary Kramer, who was a, a mentor of mine, still is to this day, called me. And as I was crying and as I thought, Everything that I had ever worked for was over in, in the blink of an eye. My dreams were crushed. Gary said something that, that stuck with me and sticks with me till this day and has allowed me to overcome so much adversity in life. He said, Zach, this game of football does not define you. He said, it's not your identity. He said, your identity is who you are as a young man it's your character it's how you treat others it's how you work it's it's all the things that no man or no team can ever take from you and if you always remember that you will always be able to get through tough times because who you are will never change if you truly know your identity and, and ultimately I knew my identity was in Christ and so that That really helped me after that really, really, really hard cut. And then, thankfully, another silver lining, the Packers called me back. (laughs) <laughs> about five days later to join our practice squad.
0: That was the most bizarre <laughs> time. Like, such, I mean, you want to talk about some roller coaster emotions because we, I mean, you just retelling that story makes me want to cry all over for you. Coming in on a private jet, being in the or a private plane, being in the hotel with the players and them saying to see ya. I mean, it was so heart-wrenching. And then Yep, they called you back. I don't I still don't really understand how that all, all that works. But hearing you say about that almost that defining moment of that phone call, it's like thank goodness that there was that that little bit of a setback because on because of that phone call, that phone call that you have been able to refer back to so often. So five days later, they called you right back up. We're on cloud nine again. When I say that Zach's life has been up and down, up and down, up and down, it, it it truly has. And so, you know, we were down and then we were up and then we were down and then we were up. You head back to Green Bay. You stay there for a while. Talk to us just a little bit that your NFL uh, journey uh, through Green Bay and beyond.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you're right. I stayed at Green Bay for the better part of that first season of mine in the NFL, I was on the practice squad. Um, I did get released uh, week 10. I got released this. That was my second cut in the NFL. And this one wasn't nearly as bad as the first, because at that point in time, I really had started to learn how to trust in God's plan for my life Mm -hmm. and how to understand that my identity was, was not just full, ball. People, people should know me, other than just being a football player, they should know me as a young man of, of character. They should know me by my relationship with Christ. They should know me by my work ethic. They should know me by my ability to, to show up and, and do what I say I'm going to do. So the second one wasn't as hard. And it again, it wasn't as, I just didn't hurt as much uh, because I knew I'd given my all, I'd done everything I could to try to to stay there in Green Bay and I had worked hard and I'd done all the things that I could to to show everybody there and and we'll get into it in just a little while. But ultimately my character, my work ethic, my actions while in Green Bay led me to something else cool down the road in life. But I I got let go in Green Bay. I think I went home for a week or two and the New Orleans Saints called me I went out to the Saints. I was on their practice squad only for two weeks. They cut me. I was out for about a week, maybe, maybe not even a week. And then the Baltimore Ravens called me. And this was one of the coolest parts of my NFL career. They signed me to the practice squad for one week. But the next week, they said, Zach, we want to sign you to the 53-man active roster. And for the listeners that, that don't know, the active roster are the people who actually play on the game in the games. And there's generally, you know, eight to 10 members of what's called a practice team that they just practice. They don't ever play. So up until that point in my NFL career, I was always on the practice squad, but Baltimore said, Hey, we want to bring you up to the active roster. You're going to play, get ready to go Monday night football. And so I I called mom and dad and you (laughs) and everybody. I'm like, You guys got to get here. Yeah, I'm playing Monday night football and (laughs) all teams in the NFL to play. Yeah, probably guess we were playing the Green Bay
0: Packers. (laughs) So
1: that was the first time I ever suited up in a game.
0: Gosh. Oh, Zach. It was so exciting. Like we were so excited. Yes, you had been on these practice squads and you were getting paid. And so like you were working in the field you love. But to make the roster, I still remember, I know this is so cheesy. I think of it every time I hear the song. But we, you know, we we did exactly. We got on a plane as fast as we could because at this point, we knew anything can happen. You can be dropped tomorrow. You know, we knew that teams are kind of fickle. And, um, and so we're like, okay, we don't know how long this is going to last. He is playing on Monday night football. And we, uh, we get up there and I remember it seeing you, um, before the game started running out on the field for like warmups. And it just so happened that that song I've been waiting for this moment all of my life came on and oh my gosh, the combination of the, that song and watching my baby brother in his dream. I almost want to cry right now. Cause God is just so good. And so, um, so you are out there and you are playing. This is the dream that you have dreamt for so long. And you are on the field with like these dudes that we grew up watching on TV. Like it was, Deion Sanders and Brett Barr. And I'm like, and my little brother, what is (laughs) happening? And so that was such a such a cool moment. Tell us and just like describe from your point of view. That was my point of view as a big sister. I'm crying on the sidelines as everybody else is just cheering for the team. I am boohooing with that song. But tell us like how that felt for you.
1: It it was it was awesome. You know, looking back, I truly believe that. God is such a cool God that He orchestrated that night. And I don't know if you remember, but the opening kickoff—I only played oh, on I special do. teams. I, yeah. I didn't get in at linebacker. But the opening kickoff, I was on the kickoff team, mm-hmm. and I ran down and I made the opening tackle of the yeah, game.
0: Yes, sir. I and do. <laughs> if,
1: if you were to search the NFL archives or search Zach Woodfin. There's only one tackle credited to my name in the NFL, and that was it. The song, I've been waiting for this all my life, it's, it was true. I had been waiting for that. And what I look back now, and, and I just think it's so cool, is like God orchestrated all of that so that I could live that dream even for a moment, mm-hmm. even for the one tackle to say, mm-hmm. I did this. Now I know like God's plan for my life was not for me to be this NFL linebacker for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But I wanted it so much. And I worked so hard that even though it wasn't like his plan, he, he let me like experience it. And I'm choked up because it's, it's just so cool.
0: It is. Um,
1: to think about, you know, like this is not the plan, but. You wanted it. So I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you experience it. And then I'm gonna take you to something even better. And and you know, that's what he did. But that that's that's what I think about when I remember back to that. Yeah, yeah. Game.
0: I feel like that just goes to show like he's such a good, good father. You know, so often we don't think, I mean, we do, but a lot of people don't think of God as a father. They think of him as this with uh, this authority, this do's and don'ts, but he's such a good father. And Man, you are so thankful to have such a good earthly father. And, you know, the Bible says how, you know, earthly fathers love giving good gifts to their kids. How much more do I? And that's what he is. He loves giving good gifts to his kids. And that is what he did for you. He gave you the gift of seeing dream accomplished. And I remember coming on the field afterwards. And of course, I think I was probably still crying. I went all through emotions that night. And I remember just saying, dream accomplished. Check, dream accomplished. No matter what happens after this, you know, God let you have that dream, and he's such is just such a testament to what a good, good father He is. But you're right; that wasn't His ultimate will for you, and that's really it's really a good thing now, uh, looking back, knowing what we know about a lot of things—from you know, health issues to um, to just the lifestyle. You know, it, it it turned out to be just you know answered prayer, answered dream. But then God took you on this um, this path with coaching and you start to see the way things were lined up so you you coach athletes performance and um in california for a while i remember that being really cool because you got to coach a lot of a lot of big names in all types of fields not just football um soccer all kinds of things but then going back to when you think things are upsets and how they're really set ups you got a call once again to come coach where at (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. The Green Bay Packers. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, going back to what I mentioned earlier, the way that I handled myself during that 10 weeks on the practice squad, way back in my playing career, which my playing time for the Green Bay Packers was 2005, and my hiring as a coach with the Green Bay Packers was 2011. So six years down the road, but there was a guy that did not forget who I was. Uh, he didn't forget how I worked. He didn't forget how I respected people. He didn't forget, and and that guy's name was Mark Lavat. When I was a player, Mark Lavat was an assistant strength coach. But fast forward six years, and Mark had become the head strength coach for the Green Bay Packers, and he was looking for an assistant. And we had stayed in touch because I knew that I wanted to coach even when I was playing. And I knew specifically I wanted to be a strength conditioning coach. So I would talk to Mark a lot. I would ask a lot of questions. I would try to learn. So we stayed in touch through those six years. And he gave me an opportunity to interview. And then that interview led to me getting and accepting the job as an assistant strength coach for the Green Bay Packers, which... We spent three years there. That's where our son, Valor, was born. And it's just a, a great, great time, great memories there. And again, what I thought was a setback being cut from Green Bay ended up setting me up to get a job six years down the road.
0: Yep. Yep. I just thought, you know, just so cool. Once again, seeing how God interweaves all of these things. And I remember again, being so excited when you were going, going there, when you called and said you were going to, you didn't tell us anything that you were even interviewing, nothing. You were like zipped your lips, didn't say anything until like you had signed on the dotted line. And then you're like, I'm coaching for Green Bay. (laughs) I remember (laughs) remember being at the studio. I was about to teach an art class and you called and I was so excited. And then, you know, like you just think everybody else is going to be so excited too, and this man came in getting ready for a birthday party, and I'm like, my brother's going to be a coach at Green Bay Burgers. and he just was like, <laughs> "All right, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know, I know you're here to do a birthday party. Come on in and let's pay. So again, well, I, you see the theme set back to set up, and then you were at Green Bay for a while, and we loved coming up there. That was just a cool. We really, I really do, you know, love everything about, you know, how the town owns Green Bay or, you know, and how they take such pride in it. And it was super fun. There's some really cool stories we have from there. But then we were so excited because an opportunity came for you to get a little bit closer to home, which was starting to become the goal. We were like, come on, like y'all were starting to have kids. You had valor at this point. And we were like, we want y'all to be a little bit closer to home and y'all wanted to be closer to home fun one to be closer to home. And so you got the opportunity to come a little closer to home with another job that to some people would look crazy to take from the Green Bay Packers, but we were kind of excited. So tell about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. A lot of people told me that, you know, this was a mistake. I was making a mistake by by going from the Green Bay Packers to my alma mater, UAB. The thing that people didn't understand is by this point in my life I did not operate by what the public opinion was. I operated solely off of my faith. I had grown a lot in my faith by this point in time. I had gone through so much as we have talked here today, adversities and triumphs, and I had learned at that point that if God says go, that I better go, and I was solely focused on making sure that I was in God's will and that I was on the right path that he wanted me. And I prayed and I knew this was the right path. Several reasons led me to that belief. And and that knowing is number one, I wanted to be a leader in the field. I wanted to be a director of strength conditioning. Up until that point, I had been an assistant. I did want to get back closer to You guys, mom and dad and and you and aunts and uncles, because we did have Fowler. And so I took the job and I didn't care what anybody thought. I didn't care about perception. UAB had been a perennial loser at the time that I took the job. They had not had a winning season in 10 years. Uh, Those 10 years had been the 10 years since I was a player at UAB. My senior year, we went to the Hawaii Bowl we had a winning season, and it was exactly 10 years to that date that I came back, and they had not had a winning season since. So I did that, and we, we ended up having a a 6-6 six and six season. We were bowl eligible for the first time in 10 years, and UAB shuts down the football program. And it was and like,
0: what the crap?
1: I left – The Green Bay Packers for UAB because I knew that's what God wanted me to do, but I had no idea that it was going to be so short lived. Mm. And ten months into our time in Birmingham, I was told that I didn't have a job anymore because the Mm. football program would not exist anymore. So that setback set me up to go to the University of Southern Mississippi as the head strength coach and director of strength conditioning and that setback led me not only to be the director, of but to do something really, really cool that not a lot of people in my position throughout the country have ever been able to do. And that's what you mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, I was, I was given the opportunity to be the interim athletic director at the University of Southern Mississippi. So I learned so much and grew so much through that. And then it was the people that I knew at Southern Mississippi that led me to the opportunity at the University of Kansas, and the University of Kansas, after three years there, went into the University of Missouri as the head strength conditioning coach, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that.
0: Yep, correct? yep, yep, yeah. so um, so again, you know, whenever UAB closed, that was, that was hard. That was, I think I was madder, like, that was really hard. That was I. I was just mad. I was so mad. I was like, "Y'all hired these coaches, and they, you know, took this team to bowl eligible, and and then you're just going to close." And I was just, I was just mad. And and then of course now it's back. But anyway, during that time. Like you said, you had, it It did open up the other doors and you're so good at always seeing these other doors that were open. And so at this point in your life, so we're going to be talking now when you were at Mizzou, which was just a few years ago. So we have tech gone over like a what 20 year span here of up, down, up, down, up, down, upsets to set up. <laughs> and so you are at Mizzou, head strength coach, and, and then some more uh, upsets start, start happening. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I mentioned just a few minutes back that I really wanted to be a leader and I wanted to grow in the field. And just like when I was a player, my goal as a high school player was to play in in the, with the best. And and the best was the, the Southeastern Conference. I really wanted to play at Alabama or Auburn. I did not get that opportunity in terms of a scholarship offer so I went to UAB. So as I start coaching, I'm a very competitive person, and I wanted to continue to be where my feet were and do a great job, but but I did I did want to grow. I, I did want to see if my coaching abilities would be able to get me to what everybody considers the the elite of college football, which is the Southeastern Conference. most people think that. And so I got that opportunity. And I was really excited about that opportunity to be a director of strength and conditioning for a, a southeastern football team. That was 2020. And we we had success. We were bowl eligible um, that year. That was a year that we only played SEC games. And we were five and five. And since there was only 10 games in that season, they they deemed us bowl eligible. Generally you have to have six games to be bowl eligible, but we only played 10. So we were eligible. And after the season, I go into the head coach's office. He said he needs to see me. And he proceeds to tell me that he is going to bring another head strength coach in uh, in my position that I can stay at Missouri, but my title of head strength coach will be relinquished to this other coach that he's bringing in that he's known for quite a while. And so... That was it was definitely a shock, you know, that doesn't happen often. I mean, uh, they they definitely make changes um, a lot in our profession. But for for me to to be there one year and then for him to bring in another head strength coach, but for me to stay. So me staying is generally what doesn't happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember the head coach. He's like, you know, if you want to leave, you can leave. But I had another year on my contract. Is what the the kicker was, and uh, if I didn't have another year on my contract, he, he probably would have just said, "Hey, you, you're gone." But but I I had an opportunity to stay if I wanted, uh, or I could quit, and I'm not gonna quit, you know. So then I had a decision to make. And am, am I gonna go through this whole year angry and bitter and and pouting and, and uh, complaining? And I think a lot I, of people go, were
0: angry for you, just FYI, <laughs> So, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people that Zach, this is not fair. This is not right. You know, but, but in reality, the head coach has, you know, he has the right to make whatever decision he wants. And, and, you know, well, life's not fair. Life um, is not always going to be exactly like we think. And so we have, we always have the choice to decide how we're going to respond how we're going to respond and this is one of the more difficult responses that I've had to have you know in in my professional career whether it be playing or coaching and my wife fawn really helped me see some of these some of these things that there was a few days there that I couldn't see clear and, and I, I was bitter but but I made a decision and and a lot of scripture James 1 uh, really helped me during this time I made a decision that Whatever it is that God was trying to teach me, I was willing to learn. Mm. The only way that I could learn is if my heart was pure and there was no bitterness in my heart towards anybody. Uh, and so I decided I wasn't going to complain. Uh, I decided I was going to serve the, the new head strength coach the best that I could. And I was going to be the best team player that I could be for that year because that's what I would ask an athlete to do. Mm. You know, I put myself in, in the athlete's shoes. And, you know, now the way the the world works in college football is, is people can transfer anywhere they want at any time. And, and let's say there's a starting quarterback on the team and somebody else transfers in. Well, me as a coach, do I, do I expect that quarterback to, to stay there and, and continue to, to work hard and do his best? Or do I expect him just to say I'm out and quit? Well, the coach in me would say, hey, stay here. Do your best. You never know what could happen. You never know what the future is going to hold. Like, yes, it looks bleak and it looks like this is going to happen, but you never know. And and the testing of your character brings so much endurance. And, and this is the James 1, um, you know, verse. And, and the testing of your, your faith. Uh, if you pass the test you 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 become re- resilient and i had passed a lot of tests in my life up until that point and i was like this is just another test i must pass this is part of the plan god i don't know what you're doing and i can't see it but i've got a year to figure it out and i knew That that year would be a year of reflection, a year of uh, of soul searching about what God was really trying to teach me and where God was trying to take me. And so after that year, my contract did expire and I did move on. And something that I never thought could have happened, happened. I remember in that year, like I said, I was doing a lot of soul searching and I wrote down all the things that I wanted in my future, and these are things that I wanted for my family, things that I wanted for my professional career, things that I wanted for me outside of of my professional career. And and I wrote down that I wanted to coach in the southeast if I was going to coach again. I really wanted to try to get back. It had been a, a good while—five or six years—since we had been closer to to mom and dad and to you guys and. Uh, I, I knew that's what I wanted. So anything that didn't fit that, I was I was not really um, interested in. I knew that I did want to continue to coach, but I knew my family was more important. So if the only coaching job that I had was, for instance, in the Northeast or the Pacific Northwest, I had made a commitment that I was going to move to the Southeast and be open to whatever else God had for me. Um, because I really wanted my kids to start to try to have some stability. They had moved a lot. I wanted Fawn to have some sort of stability. I, I wanted to be closer to to Fawn's parents, which they're in Prattville as well. And so nothing happened for yeah. like months.
0: Yeah. I remember you, you know. saying and we were all like, okay, so what's your next job? And, and during these times, you and Fawn are very, Fawn is his wife. Y'all have very different personalities. And Fawn is like, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going next? Oh my gosh. Please pray for us. Please pray for us. And you, you are like calm, cool, collected. And you're like, God will figure it out. God will provide a way. But we're we're kind of all the same as Fawn. Like, what are you going to do? What's your job going to be? There's nothing lined up. And I remember you saying like, hey, if I just have to come back to the South and just get any job, I can get any job. It doesn't have to be in coaching. And I think even you saying that goes back to those formative, that formative call on your way back from being cut by Green Bay of this does not define you. You know, football doesn't define you. Coaching doesn't define you. And you were in that same mental state of, you know, this is what I want. I want to be in the South. And again, giving your dreams to God, who is loves to give good gifts to his kids. You're giving these dreams of I want to be in the South. You know, I do want to coach, but also holding those dreams loosely and saying, you know, I'm going to, if I can't coach, I'm going to figure out something. I'll just get any job and be back in the South. And I remember you saying that. And um, so anyway, carry on with the story.
1: Yeah. So I'd learned to be, I'd learned to be steady in the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. you know, I'd been through so many and, and I rode the roller coaster for a lot of my early life, but I had learned through all of that adversity that the best place for me was to be on still waters, regardless what was going on around me, just to be still, to trust. And, and I had a deep, deep trust that God was going to it tell me exactly what I needed to do, even if it was the last minute, you know, so, so speaking of last minute,
0: which he often does. Last yeah. <laughs> the,
1: there's hiring cycles in college coaching, uh, and those hiring cycles happen around the new year. And so the hiring cycle uh, came and it went, nobody, um, offered me a job. This was 2021. Uh, no, the, be- the beginning of 2022, So like January. And then the NFL hiring cycle came and and went. And that was a little bit later, maybe like February of 2022. And I remember I was at a Packers playoff game with Valor. We did a father-son trip. He's a big Packers fan. That's where he was born. You know, he tells everybody I'm from Green Bay because he was born there and he lived there. (laughs) he was two. So I guess he can he can say that. So he's a big Packers fan. Uh, I still have a lot of friends there. So we went to the playoff game. And while we were at the playoff game, I got a call and the call was from Daryl Johnston, who I'd heard of this name, but I, I just couldn't draw it. But then I, I remembered, oh, this is Daryl Johnson. His nickname is Moose. He was a fullback for the Dallas Cowboys when I was a kid. He was the fullback for Emmitt Smith. Now he works for Fox. He does you know, NFL um, broadcasting. But he also has been a part of starting this new league, which was called the United States Football League. He got my name through uh, some people in the business, and he said, I heard by this time I had told a lot of people that I was willing to move back to Birmingham solely for my family. Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't in coaching. Because again, my identity, like you said, my identity was not in coaching. My identity was who I am as a man. And I knew that there's a lot of different things that I could do. And even though I had not done a lot of different things in my professional career, I was not going to limit God on opening something else for me. So I had told people that if I didn't get a coaching opportunity, we were moving to Birmingham and I was going to figure it out, but I at least knew my family would be happy in Birmingham. And he's like, I heard you, I heard you wanted to move to Birmingham. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of ironic. Okay. He's like, well, we're starting a, a professional football league called the United States Football League, and we're going to be based and headquartered in Birmingham, Alabama. Say what? <laughs> no, <it's> like. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! Um, I didn't really say that. That's what I was thinking. Right. Um, but I was like, "Wow!" So we proceeded to talk and 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 go through all these different visions for what he had. And 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 uh, you know, long story short, I was I was brought on as the director of player performance for the USFL, and in it's inaugural year, which was 2022. We were all eight teams were in Birmingham, and and now we're in year two, and we've grown. We're, we've got teams in four cities, but it's it's so cool to see how God um, honored my commitment to trust Him
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to just give it all up. And, and I was going to give it all up mm-hmm. for Valor and for Violet and for Fawn, and I was going to be open to something new. And He's like, "No, you you don't have to give it all up. I just wanted to I just wanted to see." Mm. I wanted to see if, if you really, really trusted me down to the last minute. And I did. And he's like, now you get to live in the city you want to live and you get to coach professional athletes. And And just again, such a, such a a cool story um, of God just being so good. To, to give us our, our heart's desires. And I think it's really important that we know what those desires are and we mm-hmm. write those down and we pray for those because I was specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that year to really think and, and I had that year to to put what I was really, really locked in on, you know, doing as a father. I knew I wanted to coach Valor in sports. I knew I wanted to be with Violet as, as much as I could with all the things that she was doing, whether it was gymnastics or you know, dance or picking them up from school. You know, I knew I wanted to get Fawn into a place where she was around a lot more of her friends and family. She'd been on this, you know, journey with me all over the world, you know, for the last 15 years of marriage. And I'm like, it's time for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time for them. My my time of, of, of doing all this, you know, needs to now take a back seat. And God's like, I got all of y'all. Yes.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we've been back here for, for two years now, and it's been so, so good to be close to family, to still be in a, uh, a job that I love coaching professional athletes, you know, with sports performance and growing a league, you know, learning yep. a lot, growing a league, being able to hire um, great coaches, uh, lead great coaches. It's it's been more than I could have ever imagined. I, I didn't I didn't know this was possible, but but God made a way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love it. He is absolutely such a good, a good father who loves giving good gifts. And you're absolutely right. When you got to the point of giving it all up. He said, I gotcha. You've never even heard of this thing called USFL because it didn't even exist. But guess what? It's gonna exist in the exact town that you want to move back to. I mean, it can only God can write a story like that in the exact town that you want to move back to for a job that you are uniquely qualified for in a position that did not even exist, probably when you were praying when you were writing these prayers down. And so such a cool story, such a cool story. I want to, I want to end with the verses that you referenced. So you said that James 1 got you through a lot. James 1, 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then if you scroll down to James 1, verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so, Zach, thank you so much for sharing your story. This might be one of my favorite podcast interviews so far because I've just got to see see this life firsthand. And I've got to see God take you on this roller coaster. And every single time that there was this upset. Just give it a few years and we see how he works all things for the good. And so if you want to, we'll just close this out with any words that you might have to say to somebody who is in the middle of what feels like a setback or an upset. I hope they've been encouraged by this whole the whole story of how God's had you every time and how he fulfills your wildest dreams. And sometimes it's not until the last minute. But are there any other words that you want to give somebody who is just in maybe in the middle of that? Setback.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to help all the listeners learn how to to be resilient. And and resilience is a word that I've really started to to use because a resilient person has been through adversity and has allowed the adversity to strengthen them to become better. And a resilient person has been through the, the ups and downs and has learned how to, to trust that, that God has a plan. And and maybe, you know, if there's any listeners that they don't have a relationship with with Christ, uh, I just want to, I want to urge you to, to explore that. The the two things that have really helped me become more and more resilient, number one, gratefulness. So even at Missouri, when I was, when I was told, Hey, you're not going to be the head strength coach anymore. It's hard to be grateful in that time, but Fawn reminded me, she's like, You're still so so fortunate. There's so many people in this world that you know have nothing. And and she goes, she's in Honduras right now, or en route to Honduras right now with our son Valor. And there's people that don't have food, there's people that don't have hot water, there's people that don't have jobs at all. And I did still have a job. And and so being grateful during adversity helps you to become resilient and then being humble uh, a lot of times pride and arrogance cause us to feel when, when something gets stripped away from us it causes us to to be mad it causes us to be angry because now we're not in this position of leadership or authority or this position that other people around us think is is you know is is great. And, and so humility has really helped me to, to be more resilient. And, and you can't learn if you're not humble uh, and you can't grow if you're not humble. And the whole point of all these tests and trials that I've been through is God was trying to grow me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was trying to grow me into the person that he really wants me to be so that I can live my best life and that I can help. Other people live their best life, because that's what I want to do as a coach and as a leader, as a father and as a husband. I want to help everybody around me live their best life. And I've been given the tools to do that. And I've had to go through a lot and I've had to respond the right way to learn these things. And, And so I just want to really urge all the listeners when you're battling adversity, when you're in Upsetting times of life, search for ways that you can be grateful. Search for ways you can be thankful for the things that you do have. And then have a humble spirit and say, What are you trying to teach me, God? Where are you trying to take me? Because if you're trying to take me somewhere else, I'm open to it. If you're trying to do something else with me, I'm open to it. Because obviously, if I'm going through this adversity, maybe this is not what it's supposed to be. And don't blame other people take ownership of your life and pray and seek God's plan for your life. And and I'm confident that if you do that, he'll show you the way.
0: I love it. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you for those tangible takeaways of being thankful, being humble and asking those two questions. God, What are you trying to teach me and where are you trying to take me? Awesome. Awesome. Well, Z, I know you've got a busy day. We've got to, we've got to go to, but man, I have enjoyed this so much. Thank you for taking the time out of your day just to share with us and to encourage others and to just again, point at God's goodness and how he's always got a plan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Z.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. I love you and look forward to seeing you soon.
0: I hope y'all enjoyed that podcast. Y'all be sure to go like, subscribe this, leave a review. Let us know how you're liking it. We like that feedback. And if you want to follow us on other social platforms on Instagram, it's Pizzazz Art Studio. Same for Facebook and Pizzazz is P-Z-A-Z-Z. Pizzazz Art Studio. Go check us out and see what all we have to offer over there.